0: Right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Our number, you want to be a part of the program. 80 days Americans abandoned by Joe, and 93 days since he promised he wouldn't do it. Pretty sad. I think we're like the only show now that talks about it every day. And as every day passes, the odds of getting our fellow Americans home lessens. uh, As now the Taliban making demands for more and more and more money. There's not going to be enough money to get every American green card holder, family member uh, back to the U.S., sadly. And there's not a th- thing that Joe Biden is doing except turning the page. Anyway, we continue our Election Day coverage. Uh, we have, what, it closes, polls close about 7, no, at 7 in Virginia. Uh, I believe 9 o'clock in the great state of New Jersey. Uh, 800-941-SHAWN is unnumbered. Look, it's one of the things that's amazed me, and especially in the Commonwealth of Virginia, is how big education has become. I keep saying explaining conservatism is not really that hard. We believe in liberty and freedom, capitalism, and our Constitution. We believe in limited government. That means lower taxes, less government bureaucracy. We believe in school choice, and now it's front and center. Thankfully, it should have been for decades, but it hasn't been. We believe in law and order so every American can be safe and secure in their pursuit of happiness, free market solutions on issues like healthcare. Yes, we can protect preexisting conditions. We believe in constitutionalists on the bench, not people that write their own laws uh, and legislate from the bench. We believe in border security. We believe in energy independence. We believe in peace through strength. We believe in free and fair trade. It's not that complicated. Look at that one issue in Virginia could very likely change the entire electorate in that state. And just really over the course of a month, starting with Terry McCullough saying, well, uh, he said this back September 28th, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. When did parents of students wanting to participate in their child's education and concerned about age appropriateness or concerned about uh, ideological or philosophical teachings of certain people that have agendas or draconian COVID measures being adopted by schools. When did that become a problem? Because unless, you know, the state, I guess they think they're smarter than the parents. Is that where the, this is all coming from or it's rooted in? Anyway, it now it has grown into the, the biggest issue in the race. And I think by the time we find out who the winner of, of today's election is going to be, hopefully Glenn Youngkin. I think that this is going to be a defining issue for other states going forward as well. Anyway, on this Election Day, we bring in our pollsters, uh, Robert Cahaley, Matt Towery. Uh, both have their final poll numbers in. They're almost identical as it relates to the Commonwealth of Virginia. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. And let's get to the final polling. Robert, we'll start with you.
1: Well, we've got uh, Glenn Yunkin up by 23 And um, so a couple points undecided. We feel like uh, late deciders and uh, those that uh, vote uh, late uh, are going to back Yunkin. We see it breaking very much uh, that way. We expect him to do it uh, 2.3 or better.
0: And your take, Matt Towery? Well, in our
2: poll we conducted for the Fox affiliate in uh, D.C., we have again the same thing Yunkin up by two uh 47 45. we had two percent for princess blanding who is the liberation candidate now whether she actually get that or not we don't know but i will tell you in a minute why that's important and then the rest were undecided
0: all right so as you talk to people and you went out in the field both of you what are people most concerned about and when is the last time education has been that high on the priority list of voters
3: Robert?
1: Well, we found that uh, especially in the Northern Virginia crowd, it was education. It was everything from uh, critical race theory to uh, a lot of the uh, COVID restrictions and kids not being able to go to school uh, for so long. And there's an attention that has been given to governors around the country because of COVID in the last two years that both frustrated parents and their inability to go to classrooms and also expose parents to what the kids were learning and so that's been the number one issue we've seen it in those key swing counties and areas in northern virginia there's lots of other issues that that have moved throughout the campaign but that's that's been the issue i think that's going to make the biggest difference in the election
0: and matt your take
1: well
2: i i ditto to what robert had to say there's no doubt about it and certainly when uh when Terry McAuliffe decided to make a statement about the parents not being in the classroom or involved, that that was what began to turn this race. But there is a hidden issue out there, uh, Sean, that I think is going to have a big impact as well. The, the mandate uh, for vaccination is having a substantial impact we're seeing among African-American voters in this country. And although you won't get it in verbatims and the like, what we are seeing For example, in this race, uh, I have never seen a race where you had an African-American population of over 15%, where in in any instance, 75% would go to the Democrat of African-American votes. Normally, that's by this time about 90 to 93%. So I mentioned Princess Blanding a moment ago. She's pulling a little bit of that vote. Some of it says it's undecided, but for Terry McAuliffe to win, He needed that African-American vote to be at 93, 92, 93 percent. And we're not seeing it. And from what we're being told, the vaccine mandates have an effect, an effect in that community uh, in the way they vote.
0: It's also having an impact on the economy. Let's talk about the Biden factor in all of this. Robert Cahaley, I mean, you know, ending with him falling asleep at the climate summit yesterday, which was just the latest humiliation on the world stage.
1: One of the first things we discovered in the first poll we did this summer was that of the issues that that across the board that Virginians agreed on is that they were disappointed their governor had not joined the other governors in asking for the extra $300 from the federal government to, to stop And so as the Biden administration continues to pay people not to work, that was that idea that all these problems that people can't, you know, companies can't find employees, things aren't getting done, is based on the Biden administration and this bad policy of paying people not to work. And that was that over 62 percent of the public believe that in Virginia. So that compounds now, as we see supply chain and everything else, this lack of confidence that the Biden administration and therefore Democrats don't know how to govern is certainly filtering down.
0: Matt, your take?
2: Well, let me just add this. There's a disconnect right now taking place between the Democratic leadership, starting with President Biden and moving down the food chain and what people are experiencing as Robert talked about here. You see the president overseas talking about climate change. You have um, a war going on between the socialist in essence of the democratic party and the quote unquote moderates, who I would call them the progressives of the democratic party. The nation is sitting here looking at these very issues that Robert's talking about with the supply chain issue. We've got the mandate going on. We've got the critical race theory. We've got battles in the classroom. We have the gas pump being incredibly uh, high and that food costing a fortune and voters are seeing a disconnect between what they're seeing from these democratic leaders including i might add terry mccullough because terry chose to make this a national race you alluded to it earlier sean they decided to put donald trump up there well that's not working for them if anything this is going to be a victory for trump it proves that he's not a problem for a candidate running who's been supported by trump so i think there's a disconnect here the public's picking up on it and this may blow over to many other battleground states as we get into 2020,
0: I mean, I asked you both this question last night because you're both predicting a 12 point shift from a year ago because Donald Trump lost Virginia by 10 points. So you're predicting a two point win by Yunkett. a 12 point shift. That is the equivalent of, of a cat five hurricane, politically speaking, Robert.
1: That's the difference between electing a stable, moderate of the perception of electing a stable, moderate Joe Biden and the way Joe Biden has governed. There's the buyer's remorse. I mean, that's why I thought it's silly to run around and talk about Trump all the time. I mean, They're attacking Youngkin, saying, oh, he's just like Trump, in a state that is part of a national rebellion of, hey, maybe we picked the wrong guy. Biden has collapsed so bad and done such a bad job that attacking get youngkin for saying that he, he's going to be an outsider like Trump is a, is, a, is a stupid argument. So there's no question that people thought they were getting one thing when they got Biden. They thought they were getting stability. They thought they were getting a moderate Democrat, and they didn't get any of it.
0: If the election were held today, then, Robert, would you say between Biden and Trump that Trump would run away with it?
1: Which, state? I mean, nationwide or nationwide by state? Oh, I, I think he would definitely be north of 320 electoral votes if it was held right now.
0: Interesting. Um, quick break. More with our pollsters, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. We'll get to your calls. Hey. Why- continue on this election day with our pollsters, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley. Let me play the final ad for you, Matt. This is uh, Glenn Youngkin's ad because Terry McAuliffe put out a lie. Oh, Youngkin and Trump are appearing together. They never had plans to appear together. Anyway, but this is the ad. Terry McAuliffe's campaign in Virginia is all about Donald Trump. Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump Trump is Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump He keeps invoking Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump
1: Have you made this race too much
0: about Trump? Uh no Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump 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 Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump Trump Donald 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 That's
2: a great ad, i got to say. Well, it goes to my point about the disconnect. You have all of these other issues that are critical to people in the state of Virginia, like education. Then you have all of these national issues. And here they are running Trump, 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 constant ads and campaign rhetoric uh, against and trying to tie him to Trump. Look – Donald Trump, if he's a problem, clearly he's not a problem right now because Youngkin is leading. It looks like he's gaining speed. And I want to make one other quick note, Sean. You and I were both there in 1994 when Newt Gingrich and the Republicans took over the House. And if you recall, right about 72 hours before we took over the House in a wave, we we really saw the polling begin to tell us this thing was coming. No one was sure until then. Uh, we've seen the same sort of thing in this particular race. I think Robert would agree. When we started in the field, it was, yeah, sort of close, but the young do it fairly well. In the last day or two of us polling, the bottom fell out from McCullough. So I think late breakers are going this way, and I think this is a trend that's
1: going to spill over to the rest of the country.
0: And your take, Robert?
1: I've been, this is a race that I've, I think, done six different polls on. Um, so to me... It, it is uh, an evaporation of the Democrat support in the end, but it's always been about enthusiasm. Uh, Young- Youngkin has always been north of 45 or better, but. And studying and looking at what happened to McAuliffe last time, I mean, even when he won, the Libertarian got a significant amount of the vote before. I mean, this guy has a ceiling of around 48%, and I don't see McAuliffe getting over that. And you can't get elected governor with, at a third-party candidate at that kind of a ceiling.
0: So you're really feeling very confident on a scale of 1 to 10. How confident are you that Youngkin wins? I,
1: I would say 7, and the rain and overcast gives makes it an 8.
0: Okay, Matt? prediction
1: Uh, i'm i'm with him the
2: numbers we had we had to literally wait democrat uh various the the weightings that we do to the highest level to make sure that we adjusted for any possible thing we might slip up on i think i'm in an eight or a nine right there with robert
0: what about new jersey what about curtis Leewood, new york city mayor any chance matt
2: uh, New York mayor, probably not. New Jersey, um, I've not done the poll Robert has, but I think it should be very interesting. Even if it's a 4-3.1 for Murphy, that still tells you in a deep blue state like that, oh, what could be happening in these red and purple states and the ones that didn't go for Trump last time, but probably would right now go for him overwhelmingly.
0: Any chance of a surprise, Robert?
1: I think I think the surprise is going to be that the race is going to be much closer than anybody anybody thinks. But, yeah, I think it's very possible. There are a lot of people in New Jersey who have either themselves are, are, are firefighters or policemen or relatives. are, And this this vaccine mandate has gotten these guys very frustrated and feeling, you know, used and abused. Uh, the scandal at the nursing homes was just as bad and, and just as horrible in New Jersey. And the attention brought to these governors and, and some of the powers and that were used Murphy is seen as really kind of lording over this power. And I think there's some resentment that might not show up in traditional polling where people can be intimidated on how to answer. But I I think we're on to something. I think this thing's going to be much more competitive. And don't be surprised if if this is a shock, a a big shock, and there's a a slight revolving victory. All right. Well, certainly
0: worth tuning in tonight. And uh, we'll have full election coverage tonight, 9 Eastern, on Hannity. Uh, final polls are in Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley, Trafalgar. Thank you both for being with us. 800-941 Sean is our number. Quick break right back. All right. 25 now till the top of the hour on this election day. 800-941 Sean is our number. You want to be a part of the program. I mean, Joe Biden falling asleep and having to be woken up by an aide is embarrassing enough. Then Joe Biden apologizes to the world leaders from Don- for Donald Trump rightly. We're drawing from the Paris Climate Accord. Now, the Paris Climate Accord puts all of the financial burden, uh, billions of dollars on the United States, while countries like China and India are classified as developing nations and they pay next to nothing. That's how stupid Joe Biden is. That, that is how insane he is. Anyway, then Biden calls on OPEC and Russia yet again, after he's already been told no. He's begging them again to produce more oil. Now, if this is all about climate change, why do we have over 400 private jets, separate issue and apart, which we've discussed? But more importantly... If it's about climate change and the reason we're not drilling for oil and we're not energy independent anymore is because we believe in being good stewards of the of the of the planet. Well, what difference is it if you get the oil, gas and coal from the U.S. or that China does it for you or the Middle East does it for you or Russia does it for you? The the impact on the on the planet is still the same. How stupid is this man anyway? Listen to these cuts.
1: Uh, I guess I shouldn't apologize, but I do apologize for the fact that the United States, uh, in the last administration, pulled out of the Paris
3: Accords and put us sort of behind people. Of
1: when the cost of a gallon of gasoline gets to above $330, $3.35 a gallon, it has profound impact on working-class families, just to get back and forth to work. So, I don't see anything inconsistent with that, but I do think that the idea that Russia and Saudi Arabia and other major producers are not going to pump more oil so people can have gasoline to get to and from work, for example, is uh, is is... is it is not it is not right but uh and what we're considering doing that i'm reluctant to say before i have to do it
0: i'm reluctant to say before i have to do it unbelievable all right on this election day i know a lot of you have a lot on your mind uh let's say hi to steve is in the great state of florida steve a lot smarter than me steve how are you glad you called sir
1: sean i want to appreciate and thank you for uh uh, let me talk i'm a big fan thank a backstory you. on me uh i am from the great state of new jersey i grew up in northern new jersey i served in law enforcement for 20 years right across the river in well, by new the jersey. way thank
0: you for doing that that's awesome did you, you served on the NYPD.
1: i was with the new jersey state police
0: new jersey state police okay
1: glad you called i retired I retired. I retired. I moved to Florida by family and because of the great state and the weather and the warmth and the taxes. And I became a registered nurse. And I'm still wow. serving the public.
0: Why did you uh, decide to become a nurse after 20 years of being a cop?
1: Um, because back in the day, I was working with arresting heroin addicts and people that were alcoholics. And I started to realize that punishment maybe wasn't the answer. So I started to get into detox nursing and working with alcoholics and drug addicts. And then I got into psychiatric nursing and uh, just
0: enjoy it. And you have an interest and you're good at it and you're helping people. I get it. Good for you. It sounds like a life of service. That's terrific.
1: But what happened? They're vilifying us now. It's, it's, It's turned into you know, the police are villains, uh, nurses, you know, I, I mean, I've been vaccinated. Uh, I did it because of my age. But again, freedom is is the answer here. It's about our freedom. And, and we're still America. And this Democratic Party is not my grandfather's Democratic Party, obviously coming from New Jersey. You know, we were demo- we was a Democratic state. I was not what my grandfather was. But you know, he's gone a long time, and it's it's changed. And what happened to the days of you know, police and nurses being held to a certain standard, but these politicians can do whatever they want, and nobody holds them accountable.
0: I I cannot believe, and it it boils my blood that people like yourself that are in the medical field, police officers, they, I include them as well, firemen, EMT workers. The, the people that were on the front lines during the worst of this pandemic, when we knew little compared to what we know today and every single day, they their workplace, their work environment, talk about a hostile work environment, they, they worked in a Petri dish. They, they dove on covid grenades daily to save the lives of people they didn't know. And they did it. And many of them, as a result, ended up getting covid, many of them. And they have natural immunity. The idea now that we're going to fire them because they, for whatever reason, they've decided they don't want to take the vaccine. Many of them might have natural immunity. Many of them may have rare medical conditions and their doctors don't recommend the vaccine. There seems to be no exemption possibility at all. It seems to be no willingness to even accommodate if you wanted to test people every day before they can get in the hospital, they, they could set that up and it could be organized and you could consider their feelings and you could appreciate all they did in the worst moments of this and and take that into consideration. There are ways to accommodate both concerns here, but they won't even consider it. That to me and one size fits all medicine just doesn't work for me. That doesn't seem very scientific. We're not following the science, as they say. You know, we have now the latest push is for kids five to eleven to get the vaccine. And meanwhile, in two years, we've only lost one hundred. We've lost one hundred and sixty-two kids. One is too many. Uh, from COVID, kids are not being impacted by this virus the way older Americans are, and those with pre-existing conditions. Uh, we lose almost the same number of kids every year to the flu. Very comparable numbers. And uh, while they're not saying it's mandated yet. That's probably the next thing to follow, because Fauci and Pelosi and Walensky and and Biden, they all said, oh, no, we we don't we don't have the right to mandate this. Now they're mandating it.
1: No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory.
3: Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people?
2: I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. Um, That is the role that institutions, private sector entities, uh, and others may
3: take. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. I am all for um, more vaccination. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have nothing further to say on that, except that we're looking into those policies. And, and quite honestly, as people are doing that locally, um, those are those are individual local decisions as well. I don't think you'll ever
0: see a mandating of vaccine, particularly for the general public. So I feel bad for all of you. Um, I really can oh, sympathize. Good, and I'll And I'll tell you what's happening. People that want to really take a stand, they've got a problem. The problem is they still have to pay their rent. The problem is they have to pay their mortgage. The problem is they have car payments and truck payments they've got to make. The problem is they got to put food on their table for their families. So, you know, to give up a career, a paycheck, benefits, retirement, at the end of the day, many of these people are going to end up doing something that they are, really against doing and there is no freedom in that scenario and for those people it's not fair they deserve better especially after all they did for all of us in the worst moments of this pandemic
1: it, it's found to you also with the masks one back in what 2020 it was oh uh, wear don't wear a mask now we have to wear a mask we're wearing a piece of cloth on our face it's not going to stop Microorganisms. I, 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 you know, I
0: just, I. Oh, it's not gonna. Just, maybe a droplet or two. Nobody, no, but the masks aren't gonna work. That was the first thing he said in March of 2020, and he's been wrong ever since. And I don't believe him on gain of function. I don't believe him that he didn't know about the funding. I don't believe him. Uh, I don't believe a word that he says at this point. Why he still has a job, I don't know. Look, Steve. Um, I wish you the best. Thank you for all you've done as a policeman. Now as a nurse. And I appreciate you being out there. People like you make this a better country. I'll tell you that.
1: Thank you very much. You keep up the great work, too. Uh, you stand up for America every night. And uh, we're all big fans in my household. And even I my family is still up in New Jersey tonight. Hopefully they change the uh, the outcome of our New Jersey race. And
0: uh, Well, we'll see. It. New Jersey is going to be a little tougher. I think the the most hope I have is for the Commonwealth of Virginia. But let's see. You never know. All right, back to our busy phones. Um, Let's go to Kathy is in Rhode Island. Uh, Kathy, glad you called. I lived in Rhode Island, in Warren, Rhode Island, for five years. Beautiful
3: state. I know. Thank you. Um, So I I would like to just um, suggest that um, the news headlines are always saying how there are challenges to Joe Biden's mandate. And I think the mandate should be challenged on the basis of, and I haven't heard anybody really Ask for an answer from the Department of Labor, from OSHA, from Biden, Surgeon General, HHS, CDC, and NH- what is the magic of one person in determining the policy of infection control in the workplaces of ninety-nine versus a hundred people? What science does that one person make in making the draconian difference in it, how a it, workplace? is It doesn't. Is safe probably, it's just
0: compliance uh, capabilities more than anything else. Um, but
3: that do, that does not. Prevent a virus from from transmitting there is no rationale in, in, in implementing that number. I,
0: but but I thought the message they gave us, all part of them being wrong again and again and again, was that if you got vaccinated that you'd be protected now that apparently that's out. not so. And, and that's
3: correct. So you're not providing a safe workplace because vaccinated people are getting the virus and spreading it as much as unvaccinated. So you're not providing a safe workplace. You're only impeding uh, the ability for social structures to stay intact and take care of people as they well, need to be taken care of.
0: I, what I don't understand is uh, I think the model that was set by Ron DeSantis is the right one. And that is that he set up monoclonal antibody centers all throughout florida joe biden didn't hear about them or mention them one time until a month ago and then he started rationing it to red states because uh they were using it too much and too effectively i'm like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard it's the one therapeutic that has shown the most promise to help people whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated if you get the infusion early and i know a ton of people that have gotten it Uh, In every case, within 48 hours, they feel infinitely better. Better. And not one person has been hospitalized that I know, anecdotally, of course, and not one person died that I know that got Regeneron within 24 to 36 hours after diagnosis. Not one. And. I, yeah. Right.
3: And, and I just don't understand in a workplace where you have ninety nine people that a manager can decide that distancing markers, masks, air filters, open the windows, do you clean? Yeah, what they're going to do is they're going to
0: purposely That's fine, th- th- but if they'll a subcontract. People,
3: everybody has to be mandated. Well,
0: you know, and if you're asking for you, you want to apply common sense to this. There is none. This is this is one size fits all medicine. That's not scientific. That's not following science. Anyway, good point, Kathy. God bless you. 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, Terry is in Kentucky. What's up, Terry? How are you? Glad you called.
1: Hi, Sean. I'm, I'm great. Horse. Happy Catholic election report. day. Yes, you too. Uh, I'm going to make a point after the smoke clears. Uh, this election today, we're facing uh, the debt ceiling and the CR again, and I think Republicans need to be pounding the table for a line item budget which i think would uh, resolve a lot of the issues that we have with liberalism being shoved down our throat they're not going to be too successful with that without the money to fund it uh, they're saying they're going to spend all of it, some of it 7 trillion some 5 some $1. Mm-hmm. $1. 1.7 uh over 10 years but they don't factor in the other spending that happens during each year that should be factored into any budget bill
0: well that's what mansion has been saying and mansion took a pretty harsh stance on all of this yesterday and we had been pointing it out last week all the you know phony accounting that's going on and the 1.75 trillion is really seven trillion dollars i mean yeah. it are just lying and mansion really really put his foot down yesterday he was pissed because he's, you know, all, look, all the devil's always in the details. It's not you pass the bill to find out well, what's in it, and the de- the details are going to matter. But there's no way I I don't think you can please this new Green Deal radical socialist wing of the Democratic Party. I don't think there's any satisfying them until they get the ten trillion dollars they want, and you know whether mansion and cinema hold strong. Time will tell. Perhaps if. There is a win by Yunkin in Virginia. That will be the game changer. Democrats will realize we are on the wrong path here. And this is going to, you know, now it's going to impact them. And politicians, for whatever reason, once they get called congressman, senator, mayor, whatever, they like the title, they like the prestige, they like the role, and they don't want to lose their job. And a lot of what they do is designed to keep them in power for as long as possible. Anyway, appreciate the call, 800-941-SHAWN, our number. Quick break, right back.